Few moments in the history of the American West are as iconic as those that took place in Tombstone, Arizona, on October 26, 1881. At about three o'clock on what was a Wednesday afternoon, nine men entered into a gunfight at the O.K. Corral that marked not only the climax to a long-running feud between two families, the Clantons and the Earps, but also the moment law and order began to get the upper hand in the Wild West. Of course, history never turns on single moments. Those single moments are long in the making. But since so much of American history is built on legend, When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. The further into the past an event recedes, the mistier it becomes. And since there is so much history to begin with, it's easier to simplify the event into a near poetic scheme. Which means that we're all poets, reducing and conflating the history of the world into simple lessons. Which brings us to John Ford's poetic and wildly inaccurate My Darling Clementine. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling Clementine. Here are some of the facts Ford gets wrong. His film is set in 1882, a year after it did in reality. He depicts the Earps as cattle drivers. They weren't. Doc Holliday didn't die as a result of the shootout, but rather years later of TB. And old man Clanton didn't die at the gunfight either. He wasn't even there. He had been shot dead a few months earlier. But that hardly matters, because Ford knew that with cinema, America was rewriting its past. As for Ford himself, by the time he went to make My Darling Clementine in 1946, he was already one of Hollywood's most powerful directors having won the Academy Award three times. That's not to say that Ford had everything his own way. He had already made a western in colour, drums along the Mohawk, and after the austerity of shooting documentaries for the War Department in World War II, Ford wanted to film Clementine in glorious technicolour. But studio boss Daryl F. Zanuck ordered it to be done in black and white. Which is why we get a stark monochrome that is a thing of beauty. More than that, Sanok then took out almost 30 minutes of Ford's initial cut. And then, as if that were not enough, he had the ending reshot. Without giving away too many details, he felt that a cordial handshake lacked sufficient emotional commitment. There's so many things I wanted to say, and now nothing seems appropriate. Yes, ma'am. Uh... Yeah, I know. The mayor says you might be staying here a while, maybe helping get a school started. Yes, I'm the new school mom. Well, that's mighty nice, ma'am. Me and Morg are going out to see Pa, tell him what happened. I might come east again, get some cattle. Maybe stop by here again. Stop by the schoolhouse? Yes, ma'am, I sure will. Goodbye, ma'am. Goodbye. Ma'am, I sure like that name. Clementine. John Ford made Monument Valley his cinematic home. But how did he come upon it? Harry Goulding had been a prosperous sheep rancher 
farming his herds across 20,000 acres of Arizonan land, when the Great Depression came to the Great Plains. Worse, there had been a drought and he was facing bankruptcy. But then Goulding heard that a Hollywood production was soon to be making a film on location in Arizona. Goulding hired Joseph Munch, a renowned landscape photographer to capture images of the valley's giant buttes and monoliths. Then Goulding decamped to United Artists Studios, where, through persistence and patience, he got in to see John Ford and showed him the landscapes so epic, poetic and beatific, it was as if they'd been forged by God. So, it is to a series of flinty 10 by 8 images that the look of not just Ford Westerns, but many landmark American pictures, is owed. 2001, Easy Rider, Electric Glide in Blue, Coyona Scazzi, and Thelma and Louise. Even the Lego movie sets a scene there. Sure is rough looking country. Ain't no cow country. Mighty different where I come from. What do they call this place? Just over the rise, they're a big town called Tombstone. Fine town. Tombstone? Yeah, I heard of it. Well, me and my brothers might ride in there tonight, get ourselves a shave maybe. Glass of beer. Yeah, you'd enjoy yourself. Wide awake, wide open town, Tombstone. Get anything you want there. Thank you. To date, 14 films have been made about the gunfight. And to get an indication as to how separate Ford's film is from the rest of them, just consider the titles for the others. Frontier Marshal, Dodge City, The Gunfighters, Hour of the Gun, and Tombstone. Those titles sell it hard. Ford's title is so oblique, it's like making a movie about warring mafia families and calling it K. Adams. Ford made so many westerns, 33 in all, that you may be tempted to think that he ended up repeating himself. But if you watch them back to back to back, you notice a myriad of little things that set them apart, not only from each other, but above most other westerns as well. Take for instance the way Ford photographed men walking. There are many great instances of cowboys walking in westerns. Gary Cooper as he cautiously heads along Hadleyville Main Street in Fred Cinnamon's High Noon. Then at the end of The Searchers, when John Wayne heads away to wander between the winds. Henry Fonda gradually emerging from the scrubland in Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. And then Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch, that has a walk that takes all of two and a half minutes. Bringing William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, Warren Oates and Ben Johnson, all the way from a common hacienda and into a crucible of death. In My Darling Clementine, Henry Fonda has a wonderful walk towards destiny. Only, it's not for a shootout. This one takes place earlier in the film, when Fonda, playing Wyatt Earp, finds himself in an awkward moment. He has recently been sworn in as town marshal, and while his public duty is to uphold the law, 
His personal mission is to find out who killed his younger brother James. Earp suspects local troublemaker Doc Holliday, played by Victor Mature. Before Holliday took to drinking and shooting up towns, he used to practice medicine in Boston. And while he was there, he had stepped out with a young lady called Clementine Carter, played by Kathy Downs. And now, years later, Miss Carter has come west to rekindle their romance. But Holliday, who is slowly succumbing to TB, has since taken up with a saloon girl, Chihuahua, played by Linda Darnell. Snubbed, Clementine packs her bags, and then, waiting for the next stagecoach to head back east, she meets Wyatt Earp. I love your town in the morning, Marshal. The air is so clean and clear. Scent of the desert flowers. That's me. Barbara. Marshal, may I go with you? You are going to the services, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. I'd admire to take you. Thank you. What makes the walk so memorable is the way Ford simply tracks with Earp and Clementine, covering their every step as they move along the storefronts of the town. Away in the distance, we hear the church bell ringing. The townsfolk are all headed out to where a service is taking place. Only the church has yet to be fully built, so by the time Wyatt and Clementine get there, it isn't so much a service as it is a Sunday morning dance. The moment harkens back to what is regarded as America's first feature film, Edwin S. Porter's The Great Train Robbery, where a frontier community enjoy a good old-fashioned hoedown. Ford's moment has been much copied, but never emulated. Part of the reason it works is because the scene is so modest and it is so brief. My Darling Clementine runs for all of 97 minutes, and so poetic is Ford's film, it feels that every frame has been carved from history. Now, folks, I hereby declare the first church of Tombstone, which ain't got no name yet, no preacher either, officially dedicated. Now, I don't pretend to be no preacher, but I've read the good book from cover to cover and back again, and I now have found one word again dancing. So we'll commence by having a dead blasted good dance. Yeah. Yeah.